from TMP to TTNG For sure the cure in those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate and rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon and Remo Christie front drive Mineral snowing high tide hotelier and more Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore Episode 58 of the E-Word. I'm recording this time. This is Kyle in Madison, Wisconsin, joined by Ellie in Austin, Texas. Ellie, this is where your monologue starts. So I, I'm doing like a special like Patreon exclusive newsletter for, for Halloween that comes out on Halloween. Um, and it's like about horror like in music. It's 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 been like weird because there's very few examples of like hardcore bands taking influence from like straight up horror and it actually not being like extremely cringy. Like, Ink and Dagger and, like, City Hunter are, like, maybe the two only, like, really, truly excellent examples I can think of off the top of my head. But, you know, there's a lot of it in hip-hop. There's, like, a lot of good horror-influenced hip-hop, like Gravediggers or, like, uh, the Memphis, like, scene with, like, the rap sigils and all that and whatnot. But uh, my commenters, like, have been really wanting me to go in-depth on, like, ICP and Twisted <laughs> and Horrorcore. <laughs> and my fear, actually, is that it will turn out that I just genuinely really like ICP. It makes sense because I'm pro-Juggalo in theory, and I like a lot of awful music already, and I like Fago. So I'm just like worried that you know some people are genetically predisposed to being alcoholics. I might be genetically predisposed to being a Juggalo, <laughs> and I just I want to know like if if. I end up going down that dark path if I can't escape my juggalo destiny. Will I still be welcome on the pod? Yes, I'm an ally of the juggalos. I have a couple of friends that are true and tried uh, you, juggalos. You're a you're you're a juggalai. Yes. <laughs> um, I think what what would be interesting is if you listen to all of the ICP discography from like most present to like their earliest stuff. Because I oh, think no. because I think if you started at the beginning, you would definitely like it, and then eventually you would be like, okay, this turned into shit. Because here's the thing: because I know that I like like a couple cuts off the Great Malenko. Yeah, like I like that song. I think it's called Halls of Horrors, which is just about like like showing like abusive, shitty people the faults of their actions. Like mm-hmm. I think that song's cool. Mm-hmm. But do you know who Nathan Rabin is? 
one of the one of the head honchos at the AV Club, and he wrote that My Year of Flops column about like uh, movies that failed and whether or not they like deserve to fail. And he like gave Freddie Got Fingered like a glowing review in retrospect. <laughs> Was he the one um, that wrote that he, book? Yeah, 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 yeah. The book yeah. about like uh, Juggalos and like the fish fandom. Yeah. Um, and like his journey, like getting like really, really into it. Um, it's super fascinating because he's also like extremely open about like being diagnosed with bipolar disorder and like all of the insane amounts of drugs that he did at fucking uh, gathering of the juggalos and like shows. Um, so I actually like really highly recommend this that book because it's uh, it's super revealing as to you know a lot of like the reasons that people don't like fans of those bands and like how a lot of that is actually rooted in class and anything else. Right. Uh, I, I forget what it's called though. I think it's called, I, I, you don't know me, but you don't like me. I think that's what it's called. I, are we going <laughs> to let our guest in? <laughs> we talked about Juggalo. Oh yeah. Um, I, all, all I can add about Juggalo discourse was I think like circa 2015 Spotify did like, a regional assessment of what were like the top songs, like in your, what like specific sort of urban kind of like area you lived in. And I'm from Des Moines, a little bit outside of Des Moines. So like I plugged in like that address or whatever. And like out of the top 10, there was like two tech nine songs, (laughs) three ICP songs. And then also like two Reba McIntyre songs. And then a couple other like mainstream pop, like country hits. So that's what that's culturally. I, I, I would say, Juggalo's pretty ingrained here, pretty ingrained from where I'm from, along with Reba, yeah. of course. No I Slipknot? Mean, Reba McIntyre's got us. Yeah, no, honestly, no Slipknot for the Des Moines That's area, which I just wild. thought was absolutely nutso, but I, I, I don't know. I guess, like, a big chunk of the, the Slipknot fandom must be out of state, which is just so sad for my my home turf. What's that really good Slipknot record called? Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's uh, Ohio Wo. <laughs> well, that is Jenkin from Wellputs 2 AM, and I'm listening to Captain Jazz. Welcome to the podcast, Jenkin. Yeah, hello, hello, everyone. A rare guest that's not a musician, industry person, or a journalist. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I do a little bit, a little bit of music writing, but it's mostly just for like two of my friends that like give a shit but yeah i guess at the end of the day i'm a just a vaguely known internet phenomena well you do uh you do run or not run but like you do have that project jasper right yeah i do i do a little bit of uh a little bit of my own music that but uh, yeah but that's really just like that's super low-key i think i have like you know like I made like $25 on Bandcamp last month and that was like 50% of the money I've made on Bandcamp in like the last five years. So, Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you have probably seen the page and it has probably made you at least flinch because you were upset about something at some point. So I think you'll fit in great with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's do some housekeeping stuff. I think it's been since the episode with tim from better yet that we've caught up on stuff so that's a great episode you should check that one out um and then of course we had oolong on last week which was a great episode which was a over three hour recording session had to cut out about an hour of just heat Um, yeah too hot for the pod (laughs) too hot to handle that's how it goes with that with the oolong 
can't have your tea too hot. <laughs> hey. Um, I'm really glad that uh, Eric from Haas Boss uh, took took everything in the spirit in which it was intended. That made me happy. And uh, they'll come on the podcast in the winter time. It sounds like. Hell yeah! Also, uh, this isn't like a spoiler or anything. Uh, For your health is probably going to be on the pod uh, like mid November. And yeah, we also we also have to squeeze in our anniversary episode and also our end of the year episode, which. Has to oh, be with, God, yeah. with 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 Tyler from Stars Hollow. That's true. That's true. <laughs> son where'd you find this uh so basically we're we have most of what we're doing for the rest of the year planned out and it's all heat from what i can tell any plugs at the top between you two oh no honestly <laughs> no no honestly my life pretty pretty uneventful right now i guess like look at the page and maybe i'll maybe i'll do something cool you know just kind of wait uh if you want to see me wade through uh, ICP and Guar and a whole bunch of other like yeah. attempts at horror in music. Uh, you're gonna have to subscribe to my Patreon because it's gonna be a Patreon exclusive. That's Patreon.com/slash. You don't need maps X. And I finally got Blade Brown to subscribe to my Patreon <laughs> uh, by by telling them that I was going to be covering ICP. <laughs> That's how you do it. Got it. Bribery. I will plug. Follow the E word on Instagram. The E word podcast. I think a lot of our followers only use Twitter and shit, but we are on Instagram. And I'll do fun shit like ask people what their favorite Touche album is. And um, it wasn't too surprising. It's stage four. That's what people at like emo like for Touche. Yeah, I just like parsing that data out. Um, and and uh, so Welp started out as a Facebook page, but y'all are on Instagram and Twitter a little more quietly, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of just like people asked me to do that yeah and i was like okay well i will the, the twitter is a little bit more fun because like if i ever have an idea or like i want to complain about something but i don't want to like make it into like a thing then i could just kind of like shit it out there yeah i do think i do think the whelp twitter is like supremely underrated uh and i like make a point of of saying so like whenever i get a chance on the e-word it's probably my favorite account on that fucking website. <laughs> oh, thank, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's like it's it's weird because like I have a, you know, I have like a personal, but the personal is all like various political and comedy, whatever. And then like the whelp is like the DIY Twitter and like what's going on in like whatever indie rock, emo, whatever space. And it's just like it's semi interconnected at some points. But it's yeah, it's just it's weird how stark like what people are like talk about or like into I don't know it's so I don't know that's kind of how I like look and I get a lot of like inspo from from Twitter discourse 
Yeah, that's uh, that's actually like kind of why I was so stoked to have you on is because I feel like the E word and Welp have kind of like similar outlooks on like DIY culture, which I think we're gonna get yeah. to like yeah. later on as we talk about it. And also, like a lot of the critique comes from like more of a Marxist perspective too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, I feel like the stars are really aligning with this one. Yeah, it's it's gonna be good. Get get into it, as they say. Kind of what the new format of the E-word has kind of turned into is like, okay, we're gonna talk to the guests, then we're gonna talk about what what we've been listening to, and then we'll get through some news slash some topics. Ellie, is there any drama that we gotta talk about this week? Um, I have no idea because I've actually just like completely like scaled down how online I am, right, like just for yeah. the sake of my own mental health. So like really all I know right now is uh, watch Buffy snuggle with Dina, be bisexual, eat hot chip and lie. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Buffy, Buffy is good. Uh, people were like uh, really mad about the, like the hundred dollar sweatshirt thing, which What's I personally hundred dollar sweatshirt thing. It was like, I think it was like counterparts. Wasn't it? It was some metalcore band that was selling like a special type of sweatshirt that costs like 60 bucks to make. So they were like selling it at like a hundred dollars so they could make some sort of profit off it. Personally, I don't, I don't really give, give a shit. I'm not going to be buying it regardless, but yeah. So apparently people were pissed off about that. And also keep in mind, I could be totally wrong because <laughs> when I absorb things from the internet, I'm just kind of like getting random angry screeds and then sort of parsing what maybe people are actually mad about from that. Man, To me, it's just like, imagine thinking that like a midsize venue touring act that can't even tour right now is, is, is capitalist. Like they don't own capital whatsoever. <laughs> But also, I kind of question the decision to make anything that costs sixty dollars to make, and that's no hate. That's no hate towards counterparts if it's counterparts, because I, I I do really like that band. Um, I think maybe their audience isn't prepared to drop a hundred dollars on a sweatshirt. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the. It's like I get like people are struggling, and you got to do what you can. Um, I don't. It's like I'm not gonna fall on for it. Like get that money, but. I did uncover that it was indeed a hundred dollar counterparts sweatshirt. Hell yeah! Okay, so st- still no hate towards counterparts. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For those, no. their, for their those guitarists that are about to rock. Funny on Twitter. All right. So should we delve into the the unauthorized uh, autobiography of Welp? It's two a.m. Fuck yeah! <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> I remember. I think I liked the page a little bit, like before it started being really active. Like in my memory, like I started seeing a lot of posts and engagement with the page in like mid to late 2018. But how long has the page been around for exactly? Yeah. Like, so I think it was like April or May of 2016. I was just like, I'll, I'll make this. Cause like there were a increasing number of pages that were like, I'm going to do this or that in my, this or that. And then listen to X band um oh yeah so, like yeah, doing yeah. dmt and listening to corn in my 1994 sedan or whatever <laughs> yeah, that type there was of a, yeah there's a ton of the mineral so i thought like yeah. i'm gonna riff kind of on that maybe not make it as sort of like meme in the title um but yeah it was it's like a super low-key origin story because i was just like it was like finals time so i was like i'll just you know this will be a thing i can procrastinate and make little stupid whatever's um and like any sort of roughly defined 
project or I don't know, like style or whatever has just sort of like naturally come just from like, I don't know, lear- learning the art of posting. Um, it's like, yeah, it's the origin story is like honestly kind of weak, but I, it was really like, yeah, like sort of mid 2018 that for whatever reason, people started to like share it and shit. And then is it because you started talking more shit? I maybe a little bit, maybe I, honestly, I should go back through my archives to see like the one I made one. I think the one that first got really big was like the, I did not have fun in 10th grade one. That one, that, yeah, that one definitely. Although I made that one in like summer of 2017. I think the one that like kind of first started to get the ball rolling in 2018 was like a joke I made about how like no Joyce Manor song has gone as hard as like a uh, fucking 2007 era. Avril Lavigne, <laughs> like people. Oh super, shit! Yeah, yeah. People, that yeah. people really like the the girlfriend meme, and that that was like when, and also at that point, like more new, like I think that's like when Midwest emo posting, um, like more people were getting into that, and it like got shared in there, and then you know it just kind of like naturally spiraled from that. Yeah, I think Midwest emo posting is actually very tied to the rise of Welp. It's two a.m. Um, yeah, got to throw in props for. Sometimes props. Sometimes it's like <laughs> people are screaming at me. But, you know, <laughs> uh, hey, it's uh, sort of mutualistic growth there. I didn't even know that the I did not have fun in 10th grade meme came from you because it's been like posted everywhere by everyone and never like tagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm personally I'm totally cool with that. It's like funny because like I'll see like it shared on just rando Insta pages and like the JPEG artifacts on it from just being like shared and saved and reshared ah, so many yeah. times. It just is like it's it's seen a lot in its three years of existence. That escalates the artistic impact of it. I think actually is when like <laughs> the image becomes like so compressed from being internet xeroxed so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were some of the extremes? of the page and like you know posts that have made people the most mad i think is a good place to start anytime like i do like a a snarky thing or whatever there might be like one or two people that like get super pissed um but like really it's when you like make fan bases mad that like (laughs) shit hits the fan (laughs) i remember like the three times that like fan bases have been like the most like have like come for me in the comments like are were like the 1975 Streetlight Manifesto, and then a day to remember, like a day to remember. I'm it, like, I made a meme about like how it was just like a day to remember was never good, and then like, it must have gotten shared in like a private a day to remember group because like like fifty <laughs> people just like like stormed the comments, like <laughs> like, and it also the meme it was it was so it was so stupid. I like because like a good chunk of what I do is just throw in a random like figure. It was just one of those like art like school like faceless like figure practice things like i just threw that in there for like sure fuck it why not and like yeah it, it pissed people off it the the data remember fans were ravenous <laughs> i think that's a fan base that doesn't really know context of like all right this is a meme page you listen to a data remembers <laughs> like <laughs> you're low-hanging fruit yeah uh I was actually surprised by how little hate you got when you made fun of Glassjaw, because oh. Glassjaw fans are some of the most like diehard aggressive fans like in the inter like on the internet, and I that was like one of the only ones that even I got a little miffed at because you like lumped them in with 
with something else that that I thought was inappropriate. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, shit. I need to go. Like, I need to go look back because on it. Honestly, like I thro- throw these things out there and like fuck. I don't even remember what that one was. I I do know that people were like. Because in the end, I think I was just like making fun of like last jaw lyrics for being super mopey and like and weird. Um, but then somebody posted like a link about how the Daryl guy like had sort of contextualized and apologized for some of the more like misogynistic aspects of it. And so, yeah, was, like, I'm pretty sure they was... changed the lyrics live, actually. Yeah, yeah. So that so that like and, you know, that like even in the comment section, I'm pretty sure I remember being like, oh, that's cool. That actually like <laughs> improves them in my critical eye like a significant amount so it yeah it sucks because I, I think musically they are at their best when lyrically they're at their worst unfortunately <laughs> yeah streetlight manifesto makes sense too though because like you can't tell those yeah. people anything besides streetlight manifesto is the best ska band that's ever existed it's it's, it's so weird you think they're like like the streetlight people are going to be like happy go lucky like we like checker and like you know we like ska we like to be happy but like you shit on streetlight and like they'll pull out the fucking butterfly like switchblades or whatever I, I think that's a big misconception on your part about streetlight because if you ever actually listen to their lyrics they are very dour and sad yeah like, and like militant all of, all, yeah, all of Streetlight's lyrics are either about like being suicidal or hating God, pretty much. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Probably, probably my problem here is I've listened to maybe two songs for them. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> how much? How much of a band do you listen to like before you decide to mock them? Honestly, not a lot. Uh, <laughs> I. I <laughs> I go I, I go to lyrics a lot I, and that's just like me because like I'm like I like majored in English and I did like poetry studies and like that that liberal arts shit so like I love I, I like to go to lyrics because like that's like for me if a band is like very capable musically but then there's something just like I find whack about the lyrics and that that really like urges a lot of the bands that I give the most ire, like I don't know, like the front bottoms or something. It's because I I find they're sort of thematic to be super irritating. But yeah, you're not going to find street... any front bottoms defense on this pod. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> down with the yeah with the street. Honestly, with the the meme I wrote with the street light, I don't even think I was like make, I was. I think I was just like making fun of the concept of horns, like in the abstract, and then. Yeah, they 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 can't. That was early on. That was like May 2018 or something. But what about um, like making fun of bands that are like, I guess like smaller? You know, like I don't know if you made fun of. I don't even know who to put on the chopping block here, but like, like one of the new bands that sounds exactly like Mom Jeans. Like, our people are like, dude, why are you making fun of them? They're just like a new band or something like that. Like, is there something that's like flying too close to like your orbit or something? that you can't yeah. make fun of. Yeah. Like I, I really like sort of like end of 2018, early 2019. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of figured that with, with like smaller acts, it doesn't, it doesn't always like feel good or like feel funny to like make an acerbic joke about like yeah. a band that has like a hundred regular fans. Cause I, I don't want like 50 people commenting like, yeah, fuck these guys. Cause like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't really like, none of this is like ser- that serious i was like i made fun of like smaller acts a little bit more like especially like end of 2018 
Oh, I, I made fun of like I, I did a joke about Riley's lyrics about licking, uh, lis- listening to "Never Met Twice in One Night" and how like twerpy that was, and they took it really cool. But even after that, I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I want like if I'm gonna like critique DIY or make jokes about DIY, I'm gonna try and make it a little bit more general because like no one specific act like deserves the ire like as a particular thing because like it's it's phenomenon that like so many bands like do so I, mm-hmm. i've tried to like make it a little bit more general because i don't know i don't want i don't want to i don't want to make people one time i made a joke like just like i just made up like a fake shitty band name like it was like uh i don't know like adults with like a period or something and then like that band actually existed and oh like, no! And, and like, and it's like no, it's like no, man. I'm sorry. I didn't. I wasn't trying to shit on your band. I just, I just, I, you know, I should have known better. Like that's obviously someone's gonna be fucking named that. But yeah, sorry, sorry, adults. I didn't mean to shit on your band. I get that too, because like when I did like. I'm going to roast to anyone like it doesn't matter if we're friends or if I like your band, I'm not going to be positive. Like this huge Twitter thread that I did on on Twitter, like I think almost two years ago now. And I'm thinking of like doing another one just because it was so fun. But there are a lot of small bands that wanted me to dunk on them. And it didn't leave me with like a good taste in my mouth to like shit on tiny bands like. Yeah in a not good natured way. And actually Riley was like one of the ones that I felt the most bad about because they asked me to roast them. And then I did, and it was really mean. And they just replied with, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, because at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, even if I do, like, hate your music, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to make you feel that bad. Like, I'm sure you're probably not that horrible of a person. Yeah, and I do think that, like, I mean, aside from, like, the conversations about punching up and punching down in comedy, I think that, like, what you're ultimately making fun of is definitely more of the culture like surrounding DIY rather than like any specific acts. Like you, like you said, it's like more about like the phenomenology than any one specific instance. Mm-hmm. I probably use phenomenology super wrong cause I'm a college dropout, but <laughs> just, Hey, confidence is key. Just go with it. I think that's right. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's right. That's right. That is correct. Have there have there been any posts that like besides adults? Have there been any posts about big bands that like the bands have noticed? I think maybe the Amer like the I didn't have fun in tenth yeah. grade. I think maybe Mike Kinsella posted that. Really? Um, yeah. He, uh, there's awesome. there's no way in fuck he has not seen that. It's been shared like <laughs> so many fucking times. There was one tweet that like a journalist dude shared, and it got like a hundred thousand likes on Twitter. It was like a fuckload. Oh load. shit. Um, and that was like. That was like two years ago. I, Phoebe Bridgers shared that one. Like it's been all over the place. The ones that are like the most fulfilling are like periodically I'll do like here here's a band that's like contemporary that I think is like really good and like they'll be you know I'll I'll write a, like a little review of like their discog so far. It's like not not like super serious writing or anything. It's just like hey this band's good and like generally those bands will like be pretty like pretty into the like. I don't know, just the publicity, because like I guess I had, you know twenty thousand people like the page. It it gets seen by like a generally a large amount of people. Um, like Closet Witch and Sprain, they they like reshared my shit because of that. So I think that's cool. Closet it's Witch like is I, so good. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, plan. I I try I try to uh, <laughs> for all the for all the like critical stuff. It's like I do try to throw out and like, hey, these contemporary acts are pretty baller too. Yeah, I do think I, uh, although those posts like do get noticed, I think that they definitely get less engagement than negative posts, though. 
which is unfortunate because yeah, yeah, I see yeah. that trend like in our stuff too. People just prefer when you like shit on things. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I don't know because like the the comedy stuff, it's like I don't know. People just gravitate to the sort of more incisive stuff, and it's just just kind of how it goes. I think so I, I, it might be an internet thing, um, but yeah. Are there any ones that you thought would do like really well, but just always kind of fall flat? From this year, this is like one of <laughs> it's this one is like it was I just made a joke about how like people were missing house shows and then like but the house venues themselves were like modern day Erfurt Latrine disasters, which I don't oh, know yeah. if you know that that point in history, which is it was just like a bunch of nobles drowned and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like which like I I really like that. That one did pretty well. I was I was I don't know. That one Maybe it's just because I'm a fan of a good shit joke, but <laughs> that that one was pretty fun. As far as like ones that like, let me let me just scroll through my. I have a folder that just is the folder is one word meme, and there was a couple like video ones that I wish I did well, like wished I did more. Like I I did a couple like uh, of Shinji like listening to like sad sort of like kind of more eclectic music, um, but then I think like that became a page of its own right. I think some, like, I don't know if I, I'm not saying I started the Shinji sad music, but somebody saw that and like made their own meme page of just Shinji listening to sad songs. So wish I had really cashed in on that. I am curious about like what the influences were on the page because like, I think Welp is like definitively within like a lineage of like internet DIY music comedy. And you can kind of trace that back. Like, I think it starts a little bit with something awful. And then Stuff You Will Hate kind of solidified that. And then you have, like, the gangster Popeye stuff, which fed into, like, Millions of Dead Posers. And I think Millions of Dead Posers is, like, uh, kind of the patient zero of uh, that style of of Facebook meme comedy. Mm -hmm. And Welp is, like taking it a little bit further because millions of dead posers i think is like more anarcho and whelp i think has much more of like a like a well-defined marxist perspective um, yeah yeah definitely millions of dead posers was like because i remember seeing that in like 2017 and it's like it's like more general like attacking sort of like the rolling stone tier of you know alternative music and sometimes not even alternative music so i was like that definitely was a big push and then also like i mean i've been on like twitter since like 2012 so that just that the <laughs> the years of of brain wormery from being constantly bombarded by sort of mimetic imagery and shit i just yeah kind of because like my the early memes i did were like very just like whatever format was like kind of popping <laughs> at the moment. And then I, and then it, and then it's just like, I realized, Oh, you don't actually even really have to like do a format. You can just like turn whatever joke or whatever your opinion you have. And then just kind of like throw fucking whatever pop cultural ephemera onto it um, with stupid fonts. And then like people will dig it. So it's just, you kind of kind of learn to just kind of, I don't know, roll with the weird evolution that is irreverence online. Millions of dead posers is kind of dead now, but I, I'm actually like surprised that uh, you didn't mention that they actually did like uh, 
make fun of a couple more obscure bands. Like I remember the post that like actually like hipped me onto that page for the first time was uh, it was like the dystopia logo laid on top of Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. And I thought that was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen yeah. in my life. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have some. Yeah, they have some deep cuts. Definitely. I think honestly, the one time I'm pretty sure I accidentally copied them. I think they put like a horse the band logo over that Michael Sarah with the super thin mustache, <laughs> and like I I did that too. I didn't even know it existed because like I I haven't scanned every single Millions of Dead Poser made, and somebody was like, "Yeah, Millions of Dead Posers did this first. and I was like, "Yeah, fuck, God damn it!" Like I should have known. I should have known, man. Got to diversify my shit. So, so let's talk about Facebook and the interplay between Facebook and email and how that's kind of like part of the culture now. Like I, we, we give like a lot of time on this podcast to DIY Twitter because it's like so embarrassing sometimes. But um, I think one of the, one of the craziest things is how popular specifically the Midwest email posting pages and Scram Cave too, like it's it's definitely a little bit of a lower level, but both those pages I think are like weird flashpoints of the culture, and it's it's weird to think about because you know if you ask like the average millennial or Zoomer they'll be like, oh Facebook's dead, I only use Instagram, but there's a lot of there's a lot of quote unquote the kids on Facebook, and I think uh, Facebook is where like a lot of the shit is popping off and where you can find a lot of like conversations that i think distill uh what what's on people's minds and the way that they think about uh the the music and the culture right now but at Um, the same time i'm always under the impression and i could be wrong because i've been off facebook for like basically this year is that like midwest emo posting is like always like at least like six months late to like whatever is popping is that still true it's true, but you have to remember that we are insufferable hipsters. So okay. six months late is exactly on time. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, de- definitely. Like, I'm. It, yeah, it's weird to me when people say, "Oh, nobody uses Facebook anymore," because like basically, like fucking every sort of social and or political thing I'm involved with is like basically like eighty percent on Facebook. So yeah, I mean. The discursive whatever that happens in especially like in the meme offshoots of like Midwest emo posting because that's where like people are the most obnoxious and therefore like the most ripe for some sort of commentary. Oh, like, memo posting yeah. is so bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it really is. I had to. I, I put it on mute for like thirty days because just I've been working on other shit and it's like I I like <laughs> I, I just I can't not that energy right now. I'm I'm busy. But what? So Kyle has this note here. Uh, he said, the point where I really started to love the page is when I realized most of your posts were less about making fun of the bands and more of a critique of the fan slash culture. And I actually have noticed that, like, when when you were on Facebook, the only time I'd ever see you interact was, like, Kyle Cole liked this photo from Welp, it's 2 a.m. Uh, <laughs> but what, what are some of, like, the most uh, insidious elements of DIY culture that you've noticed, like... What what is the thing that you're actively trying to combat with your critiques? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I, wow, wow, there's a lot. Um, I think like from well from the political perspective, I'm like I I definitely try and cut on the sort of I mean I guess it's performativity, but also it's just like 
I guess saying shit and then like not even knowing what the fuck you're like saying or the like the implications of it. Like, I don't know, like pe- like people on DIY Twitter a lot, like, you know, will talk about like like power structures or like, you know, fucking like or like, I don't know, like counterparts as being capitalist. And it's just like I, I love to like rip into that because it's like, no, like you don't like you're not saying things that like are real you know you're just like using whatever tumblr term and like trying to like so definitely like that sort of like kind of i don't know it's like the anarcho sock dem culture of like just kind of like saying lefty things but not really having any substance behind it that's definitely a big thing i like to like get into but also um i guess like the hobby ishness of DIY as opposed to like thinking about it as like a more serious, like art thing. Cause I think like a lot of the times, like when people like hate, like whatever joke I'm making, it's like, Oh, you know, you're like, you're, you, why aren't, you know, why aren't you letting people enjoy things? Why aren't you like, you know, uh, it's, it's not, it's not that, yeah. it's not that, it's not that deep or like, and it's just like, like, I don't know, like, especially when I talk about like lyrical content, like, Every time I hear why can't you let people enjoy things, the first thing I think of is like squints from the sandlot, like just this like <laughs> dorky five foot kid with enormous Coke bottle glasses. Like that's what you sound like every time. Well, like a, a lot of that stuff was actually uncovered for me directly in Midwest emo posting and made me hate it so quickly. Because it was just so many people just, like, trying to defend why they listen to what they listen to when there's no defense left. Because, like, what the fuck can you defend about at this point? I'm in the Vinyl Jerk subreddit because I collect records and I can't stand people talking about it, but I can stand people making fun of it. And, like, someone screenshotted and shared something of, like, someone in Midwest Emo posting saying... I don't actually unseal my records. I just collect them and I listen to them on streaming services. And it's like, that's exactly the shit that I can't stand about, like, people talking about emo on Facebook. Because it's just, like, immature energy to it. Hey, Kyle, are you ready to hate my guts? Yeah. So I don't collect records, but I also don't even own a record player. So I just have like six framed vinyl records above above me and Dina's back. <laughs> yeah, and like and probably like your friends gave them to you, and that's a perfect thing. And yeah, it's a, it's, so it's Jank, a... Sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say you pointed out like the hobbyism, um, and I think that like something like really insidious about the link between like uh, faux leftist posturing and like this kind of subculturism is that it fosters kind of the sense that, like, oh, we actually don't want mainstream people to catch on to left ideas and, like, form kind of, like, this popular left front. Um, And I think that that's something that's, like, really annoying to me as as somebody who wants, like, more, like, genuinely left-wing ideas to become popular in America. Like, when you were so focused on making left leftism like your identity in in uh like a like a albert camus sort of rebellion yeah yeah. uh that's actually like extremely counterproductive and counter-revolutionary because uh sorry to get into camus but camus is like explicitly anti-revolution and pro-rebellion in this sort of like a highly individualist sense 
so when you combine those two ideas, uh, like they are just like legitimately incompatible as far as striving for any sort of like broadly popular left wing project. Yeah, it's it's weird because like when I'm like coming up with stuff like not all the time I'm like I'm 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 trying to make grandiose or like even I don't know well thought out political statements but like I'll, yeah I, I, like going through like you know periodically I was just like like what did I what did I even fucking post like like this week and like yeah there's a there's a trend of like just nitpicking at that sort of because like we're in an this is supposed to be an art scene. Right. You know, this is supposed to be like a sort of like if you I mean, just looking at the history of like, you know, whatever, like leftist art in like just Europe and America and all over the world. Like, you know, we're supposed to be like, I don't know, trying to do something more important here. Like, you know, it's not just like an extra curricular, like whatever thing. And I think like a lot of the times when I'm like making fun of bands, like I, a lot of things like I make fun of are like sort of like the triviality of like. Oh, like my girlfriend isn't my girlfriend anymore. So I'm going to drink chocolate milk. Like, it's like, you can like, you can, you can make a, a song that's like very personal and like, cause like so many emo bands have done that. Make a song that's very personal, but that's also like interconnected to like other facets of a much grander, like political world. And like, cause like, t- like a ton of my bands like do that fucking like cap and jazz does that. And they were, you know, they were like, teens and fucking buffalo whatever so yeah i mean a lot of, at the end of the day it's like a lot of the shit i'm critiquing with this like indiness is like this sort of like weird inward i don't know like yeah like this clubby this clubby after school like extracurricular shit did you just say that captain jazz is from buffalo <laughs> no that like it's like buffalo, buffalo grove, grove yeah illinois or, like, oh illinois okay. or some shit yeah no no <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo Prairie or whatever it is. I think what's interesting and funny about emo is how like hard it is to defend it at this point because <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like something that's like sometimes very pure and like it's hard to make fun of, but at the same time, it's like once someone starts making fun of it, it's um, impossible to defend. Yeah, it's like it, especially now, it's like. You know, the whole the thing used to be like when you said you were into emo and people were like, oh, like fucking the starting line or you know, you used to be like, oh, no, not that. But like now it's to the point where it's like, shit. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's taking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, taking back Sunday in the starting line because like otherwise it's people are going to think like, I don't know, the, the, the stanky boys or like mom. Yeah. Mom. Mom. <laughs> mom yeah. Mom. Mom. I'm going to start a band called Mom Mom. By the way, I googled phenomenology, and I'm, like, offended you didn't call me out how fucking wrong I was. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought we were friends. You should have known enough to correct me. <laughs> you can, you know, just, like, pretend. It's, like, kind of what it is. Experience and consciousness, you know, that's, like, we're talking about those things. Well, from a, from a phenomenological perspective, that was how I saw phenomenology. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. See. <laughs> All right. So we want to wrap up this section real quick. Sure. Um, right, yeah. Kyle, you got, you got final questions. So at the end of the day, I think a lot of people think that based on what you post that you're uh, too cool for emo and DIY. So I guess like what is your actual relationship with emo and DIY like now? 
this it's like unfortunate because like I'm not as involved in sort of like a punky or like post hardcore or whatever you want to like as I ideally be. And that's like because like I live in Des Moines. I'm from a small ass fucking nowhere town in Iowa. And like the scene in Iowa, like and people get like I always get pissed when I say this, but I don't think it's very good. Um, that's and that's largely because like most of the like more dedicated punky indie rock whatever shit that happens it happens in either Ames or Iowa City because like those are the biggest universities are there and like when bands come and when bands form it's going to be there because like that's where like a huge fucking chunk of the young people are in the state um like 80 percent of the time like Iowa City is where like a band will go if they're going to stop in Iowa at all and it like especially sucks now because like there was like one cool venue in Des Moines um, yeah, and now it's news, closed. Right? It, yeah, it's closed because of fucking the Rona, and it just like shit. Well, like, like I don't know how Des Moines gonna bounce back from that, but, but like I've been making music since I was thirteen, and like it wasn't really till college that I had access to a sort of like consistent and like dedicated like music scene, and even then it was like a small liberal arts college, so it was like two hundred people, like absolute max, doing anything, but. But, like, despite the setting, like, I still make music and I'm still involved with, like, local musicians and stuff. It's just, like, in Des Moines, like, it's very intimate and it's, like, really more oriented towards, like, sort of indie pop rock stuff. Um, but, yeah, but, but between that and just, like, balancing my time, like, between sort of, like, academic goals and creative writing and, like, making rent and shit, like, you know, that's – you just kind of kind of have to balance balance your time with what you got here in the, here, here in the old uh, Hawkeye State. It'd be sick if I could go to, like, Iowa City regularly to see shit, but, like, that's, like, a fucking 80-mile drive or whatever, so. Mm. Have you ever been to Codfish Hollow? That's, like, there's been, like, like, in the past eight years of my life that, like, I've been, like, more, like, with it. There's been, like, so many shows that I would have liked to go there, and I just, like, have never had the capacity or, like, the time to do. I just, yeah, it's... I went to the cursive yeah, and me without you and Appleseed Cash show there. God, that would have been so fucking good. Yeah, that place is sweet. Uh, yeah, For those no, who don't know, like... this is like a barn, just like literally in the middle of like cornfields and shit. And is it, isn't it like it's like in like Makokita or something? Man- it's like in Mankato or Manateca or something like that. Or, yeah, it's like in a it's like in a place that would be the the setting for a, a cannibal horror movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but somehow it's become a place where like bands love to play so like connor Oberst has played there um built to spill play there all the time i think at this point and shit like that so it's like that level of indie bands will play there i don't know like jim adkins has done like solo shows there too it's mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's honestly pretty 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 popping for being in like nowhere well people yeah. are always on the lookout for like rustic spaces Oh, you bringing up Jim Atkins actually reminds me of like a question I had. What is your actual opinion on Jimmy Eat World? <laughs> I, I I like the the first two Jimmy Eat World albums a lot. Um, but Wait, I don't know. so what do you mean by first two? Do you mean like yeah, the self titled Static Prevails? Yeah, yeah, Clarity and Static Prevails. Um, oh no, because they had a they had a full length before Static Prevails. Yeah, that was like it was like a skate punky type of one. It's skate punk, but they do have like two like really good emo songs. Uh, one's called Usury, and the other is called Science Seven Four Seven. Okay, yeah, 
Okay, so um, so te- technically they're second and third. Yeah, I, I like those a lot. I, I fucking hate Bleed American for a lot of reasons why. And that th- those memes piss off a lot of people because like people really love Bleed American, which uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I I I can see why someone would dislike Bleed American. Um, and I have like kind of a a fifty fifty relationship with that record myself because I think like actually like half of the songs on it are fucking like fantastic like uh like, it's, like cautioners and honestly it's song it's the it's the song it's when they like go into the sort of like fucking uh like dizzy up the girl goo goo dolls shit like hear you me like the acoustic oh mess. okay yeah. that explains it i fucking love yeah. the goo dolls <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like those uh, uh although i will say in the end of the fucking Hillary Duff movie, Cinderella Story, when they play one of those Jimmy Eat World songs. Kind of an iconic moment. I'm only bringing that up because I recently saw it with my girlfriend, but also it's a good movie. And it was really, like, it was really. Like shit, dude. The The title track is really good. The Authority song is really good. Praise um, Chorus. Yeah, Praise Chorus. Like, that, that song is like super like sweet and like immediately nostalgic, even if you've like never heard it before because it like layers in like all these references to old songs and even like shouting out the promise ring via Davy Von Bolin's feature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, anyway, well, it has the, other thing I was going, the other thing I was going to say is uh, I also don't understand your hate boner for uh, third eye blind. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that's like a lot of the stuff I post. I think like, I just kind of like lean in to like, Having a because like I, I guess with the page like I've sort of crafted like a a vague persona and I kind of imagine it as like a sort of embittered maybe like thirty six year old like hipster dude who like has particular hates because I think I, I definitely exaggerate the bands I dislike right. way right. more for the page because um, like I don't know I fuck I, I fucking listened to. Um, the what's the, the the hit from their second album like the other day and i was like this is pretty nice actually the the, uh, the the one from the blue album yeah yeah that one yeah um i mean i love third Eye Blind. i i actually need to do like another newsletter just about like 90s trash rock because <laughs> i fucking love like gin blossoms and the goo goo dolls and local h and all that <laughs> shit like that was stuff that like i still loved like even getting into like ultra underground like screamy basement hardcore because like the yeah, songs I, are pop yeah I, lo- I love the local edge a lot not gonna lie yeah me too like yeah the crazy thing to me about local H is i didn't know until very recently that live they're a two-piece so the guitarist plays like the bass parts through an extra pickup on his yeah. guitar i think that's fucking dope because when you listen to like the big hit bound for the floor like mm-hmm. the bass in that song is really fucking good, actually. Um, so I'd be curious to see how that translated to a live setting. I'm but... really confused about how like local H are at the same time big, but like unknown, and to the point where they won a contest to open for Metallica in Chicago from like <laughs> uh, right in your favorite local band, and local H literally won it and opened for Metallica in a stadium. <laughs> oh, are they are they from the town of H? <laughs> yeah, they they like they have a super dedicated fan base still. Um, which I don't know. I don't like people don't know that, but yeah, I'm da- I'm I'm down for the the floor that is local H. 
Um, are there any yes, misconceptions about you or the page? Is the final question. Oh, that's right. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, I hate I hate when people like complain that I'm unilaterally negative, like oh, because yeah. I'm not. Because yeah. I'm, I put like I've posted a, a running word doc of 2020 releases that's like 27 pages on that and i post that regularly i post bands i like all the time it's just like people will like see oh i made fun of like their favorite band or whatever and be like oh you never post anything nice it's like i post nice shit all the fucking time i'm a nice guy (laughs) i'm a nice guy bitch sir how dare you how dare you yeah no i i that's like come on i mean i get it but like nobody, the the page would not have had any sort of following if I'd only posted about like how much I love fucking I don't know, Kid Crash or whatever. True. So one misconception that I found out is that you are the only one that runs the page, and I think what's confused me and has confused a friend is sometimes you sign off on posts. So that made me think that there is an overlord and then there's someone who just signs off on their posts just to differentiate them. Yeah, no, honestly, it is, it is just me. I generally, I sign off when I like, I make something and like when I don't, it's cause I'm sharing something or yeah, I guess that's, although I don't really follow that as a rule. I don't really, I don't really have a, I don't know, a code of ethics for my meme page. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty willy-nilly with it, I guess. But yeah, no, it, it is just me. Although, like, I have a couple friends that will, like, give me ideas or will even, like, like send me shit that, like, I riff on. So, I mean, there it's, it's mildly collaborative with some people, but it's mostly, it's like 98% just me. I, I was telling Kyle that I'd love to be like a co-admin on the page and then Kyle was like people would just never stop being mad <laughs> it would just be too negative at the end of the day I don't think that I could live up to the to the high standard of quality to this day my favorite thing you've ever done with the page is the extremely lengthy academic like argument against Weedmo that yeah. is in the notes uh-huh. I'm looking at it right now it has yeah. like a work cited section like it's I so sh- good. <laughs> I should like I should I need I need to like flesh that out a little more because like I wrote that in like I don't know maybe like four or five days. But I generally stand by it. I, the ba- basically the thesis of that one was that like Weedmo bands are like solely concerned with like what they like consume, what they eat, what they have sex with, and like how that is re- like a reflection of what america is currently um i definitely can like embolden it with more shit but i generally stand by stand by that as a as a piece and of it, it wasn't on the facebook page itself but when i did my interview with todd burns i also like shouted out the blog post you did that was like a deconstruction of scene core and it's like lost potential that i actually thought was like fucking fantastic so um Maybe we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, like where where do those thing, live? Because it's really good. Let me. That I, post I, is on the blogspot. Well, yeah. is it like just welp it welp it's two am blogspot dot com? Yeah, that's like yeah. I think I think they're both there now. I, I I tried last year to like be more active with music writing, but like my life has just been like all over the place. Like I had like three different jobs in like three months just because of like temp shit. So it's like I my my grandiose plans for being like more invested into whatever writing just kind of like 
went into the shitter. But uh, yeah, they're there. Um, there might be something else too. I, I have like a personal um, like medium that some it, it might be there too. But yeah, definitely definitely check the blogs about it. All right. Um, are we going to move on to the what have you been listening to section? Indeed, we are. Hell yeah. All right. Who's All going right. first? Guest goes first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like last month, I did like uh, this just for fun. Like, listen to all of like the sort of like main Alex G releases, and then rank them just for people. And then like I thought, okay, I'm gonna continue doing that. And somebody told me that I should do it with uh, Johnny Foreigner, which I don't know if you've listened to Johnny Foreigner, but they're just like this like super understated, poppy, post-hardcore indie rock one of like one of those bands that kind of is like vaguely all of it together. Um, and yeah, they're they're super fucking good. Uh, I don't know. They like to me. They kind of sound like if Rainer Maria and like a Sarah Records band kind of like went through some Frankenstein polymerization. Um, but yeah, no, I've been listening to their whole discog, trying to like do a do a do a little silly. Here's like their main albums and how I think they stack. But yeah, no, I think that fucking great. IMO. I've never listened to Johnny Foreigner before. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd super recommend it. It's kind of like uh, maybe a slightly heavier Los Campesinos. Um, but yeah, very Britishy, NGL. But uh, no, they're they're good. They're good as shit. Like <laughs> that's that's all it's, I can say. It's cool. It's cool to hear that because weirdly, I always like associated them without ever having heard them with like a Biffy Clyro. Like yeah, that, there's yeah, there's definitely some sonic similarities there, but sort of that really peppy. 2000 like 2005 to like 2012 sort of british i guess it i, I mean i i keep wanting to say it's like post hardcore because there's like points where like it's very like you could definitely like push pit to this but the chord progressions are like very like happy even though the songs are like pretty mopey but yeah no it, it's it's definitely like you could put it on like an emo playlist and people would not like be able to like discern that it wasn't like authentically emo or whatever i'm gonna check that out kyle um not a ton i do like this new golfer record a lot i've been looking forward to that for a long time i, I don't know i just really wanted to hear a follow-up to dog bless um and this one's really interesting like there's a lot to chew on uh it's not as like immediately like mathy or emo um and i like that they've thrown in some like like synthy bleep people are into it too um and there's this new Count Your Lucky Stairs band that I like called The Goalies Anxiety at the Penalty Kick, which is a very, like, good emo band name. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's, it, they're more of, like, a slowcore thing. I, f- I feel like slowcore is kind of having another moment of some sorts, but I think it's just people want to make, like, the saddest shit that they can, so they go to slowcore because that's where a lot of that shit lives, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and... This emo or this emo trap adjacent thing kind of came across my plate that I kind of like. It's uh, by someone named Eichlers is the project's name. Um, Solidarity Club put it out with Honey TV, which is like the Mom Jeans label or media company thing. It, it, it would it would be called Honey TV. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, but I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of emo trap, but this one I I saw it on Instagram and it was like the catchiest thing I've heard. It's like super hyper poppy. 100 gexy but like it, uh there's like actual like emo guitar on it and stuff so 
it's cool i really like the song uh text me tomorrow that's a banger yeah uh gregory sent me like the new nail polish ep um that's coming out i'm not sure when but it's uh it's really fucking good like emo trap like in like a true sense Mm -hmm. like they they sample like the ground is lava on it and shit yeah that's wild is 100 gex like spawning tons and tons of ripoffs right now does anyone know um i well especially with like quarantine like i feel like people like have been going to electronic shit just because like you know it's easy to like you know get a get a daw and then like make whatever yeah um but i fuck i haven't i haven't really seen anything and I, i don't know i guess like i'd have to probably like I'm I'm like I'm like a Bandcamp guy, so I guess I'd have to check SoundCloud more. Yeah. But I I haven't noticed really. I, I would um, think that like I think because like I think hyper pop is like the new like codified name for whatever Gex is, right? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think it'd be really hard to rip off 100 Gex. I haven't heard any of these ripoffs, but I imagine that what people would take away from 100 Gex is like the frenzied postmodern mashup of genres but the thing that a lot of people miss is that laura less in particular is just like a really good pop songwriter like she's got hooks like falling out of her ass Mm -hmm. so um being able to write a good hook is something that actually not a lot of people possess as an ability uh so 100 gex ripoffs might not be like anywhere close to like the quality of the original product. Yeah. Look, okay. I, I just side note. So like, more or less, like they made like a, a stupid joke song about Ratatouille, but it's honestly, it's such a fucking good song because like the conceit of the song is like, whenever they feel bad about the music they're making, like there's Ratatouille and Ratatouille is just a mouse and he's making this good ass food and like it's comforting for me as an artist which is it's like seemingly very simple and very silly but it's also like i listen to it and it's like this is a really heartwarming fucking song that is just a joke and like like yeah such a good like people you know give 100 gig shit but it's like it's good songwriting like lyrically yeah. speaking like i like especially in dog food like these are good fucking lyrics like from a like like poetic perspective like uh, and i'm a person that would like if it was if it was shitty lyrics i would have fucking like sunk my teeth into it already but no like i love that shit i actually imagine that there probably is 100 gex ripoffs right now because the lyrics to the uh the the song that they that they remixed with uh fallout boy and nicole dollenganger um the the lyrics to that song are like uh if i wasn't me i'd copy me too yeah so like I, I'm sure that there is ripoffs happening, but I mean, that song also is like fucking fantastic, regardless of how you feel about everyone else involved in it. Like the song structure is really fucking tight. But yeah, 100 Gex Love Fest always on the E word. Yep. <laughs> I haven't been listening to a lot of music, uh, aside from like the stuff that I'm like making myself listen to for like my Halloween newsletter, um, which is like you know fucking Ink and Dagger and City Hunter and shit like that. I like I know I need to listen to the new like West Side Gun album. I've heard that that's like really fucking good. But mostly instead I've been like watching a lot of stuff and reading a lot of stuff. 
but like the stuff that I'm watching and reading is not of like super high quality. Jenk, are you are you one of those people who also read Darren Shan books when you were in middle school? Oh my God, yes, yes. Oh, uh, I I I don't think I finished the the vampire, the Cirque de Freak. I definitely finished the Demon Auto ones. Um, the Demon Auto yeah. series is actually really fucking good. Yeah, no, it's like. Yeah, no, they're fucking tight as shit. I can't believe it's like I was reading that. I was like, what, like eleven or twelve? It's like super violent too. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. I'm 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 doing a newsletter about Darren Shan books about uh, Cirque de Freak, uh, or the Saga of Darren Shan, which I is what it's called, like everywhere that's not America, and the Demonata series, and then like a more recent one that he did when I was in high school, so I missed it called Zombie, um, which is like about someone who turns into a zombie it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty good but yeah like uh, something that i don't think i i noticed when i was reading it as a kid was like every new book left me with like a really like uncomfortable feeling as a child and that was what like kept me coming back for more and now i realize in retrospect like oh darren chan was like my middle ground between you know, you start out as a kid enjoying Scooby-Doo and then like Goosebumps and then Animorphs and then you read Darren Shan and you're like, oh shit, I can handle House of Leaves now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which which is not true. I couldn't handle House of Leaves. Well, it took me a couple years to get to that one. Because like, I, I remember like the very first Demon Auto book and like, I, also I remember how cool like the cover art was. Um, like the very first book, like the kids like family gets massive oh, yeah. Hellraiser the style. Se- the second chapter, like, starts yeah. with him finding, like, his dad's body hanging, like, decapitated with blood spilling from it. And I read that, like, on, like, a car ride with my family <laughs> and, like, looking around and imagining my family being slaughtered in this horrible way. And I was like, this is super uncomfortable. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to stop reading. And I went back and reread uh, a couple months ago both, like, the vampire books and, and the demonata obviously like the writing is not targeted towards someone my age like the the writing style but like on a, both like a thematic level and like a lore building level those books are those series are both like super like tightly written like the demonata in particular is like symmetrical and i don't know i i i'm gonna be excited to do that newsletter but i've also been watching like a lot of like shitty horror movies like sleepaway camp two tier horror movies Uh, i'm currently writing like a an informal analysis of scream for my newsletter because scream is my favorite horror movie of all time i don't know i love october i love spooky month and i hope that not too many people are going to be pissed at me for like not talking about music like (laughs) because i got i got four essays coming out in the next two weeks which is like an all-time peak for me and my smith newsletter Oh my god! I I'm actually planning on putting like an essay on mall rats in one of my books because I think like people should have to pay to read my opinion on mall rats. <laughs> That's my favorite Kevin Smith movie for sure. Mine too. It's yeah. the most watchable. I think people. I think Clerks is probably the best written, and Chasing Amy is the most aesthetically pleasing. But Mall Rats is the one that like I I find easiest to watch over and over again. Yeah. It's like I watched Clerks like I don't know, it must have been like two or three weeks ago, and it's just was like it's so sad how like socially and politically like not it, it's twenty years ago like 
basically nothing has changed. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it's just, it was like, damn, this movie is like, fuck. Like, but, that movie's man. absolutely a condemnation of late capitalism. Like, whether it was intentional or not. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for me. Well, we'll cap the episode off with some news and some topics. Some topics that we probably should have talked about by now. But uh, uh, we're starting off with um, kind of a recurring segment of punching down on a certain individual <laughs> who got punched out because Fredo Disco retired the project. Um, in I believe in his words, he curb stomped Fredo Disco. Um, <laughs> and I think it's wild how, like, I mean, we could basically say it without him actually saying it that like he he kind of got bullied out of the out of the music industry <laughs> that's like okay that i'm okay i despise this music <laughs> but also he's like what he's like 20 like yeah if, if like my if you looked at the music i made between like 18 and 20 you would want me chained in a basement for the rest of my life <laughs> so like yeah i mean that's uh i mean he'll probably well, I don't. I don't know their pronouns. They'll they'll probably do something. I don't know. Like there is some background because Fredo Disco has just been like canceled and canceled and canceled and canceled and canceled over and over and over again. Oh, okay. Uh, to the point where, like, I mean, I I think to a degree it was unfair because of his youth, and then past that point it was like I think you might just be an idiot. Like yeah. I'll, also, <laughs> like I don't know if he's done anything bad because all i know is that they make music about prom and i hate it <laughs> so like i mean yeah. nothing like actually genuinely cancelable in my opinion but yeah. i mean he started off posting his songs with the username hi there is hitler <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Jeff fucking> christ <laughs> uh, and then okay. like well maybe. and then like people dug on his instagram and saw that he was calling people the f-word and stuff like that i mean like calling his friends the f-word and stuff like that and kyle as a as a licensed faggot yes i i just want to hear you say the word <laughs> no <laughs> um it's what, cool it, i'm giving you a pass i'm not gonna do it you're gonna clip it out and then also, cancel why me I for cancel it you? <laughs> i don't know also like fredo's name it's like <laughs> when i first heard it fredo is fredo fosco it's like are, are you sure you're not like a sopranos character that was somehow brought to life <laughs> with some form of dark energy like what's going on there what's the name of the teenager on the sopranos tony's son aj a aj but it's like Antonio like, or something collection of new metal tees yeah yeah, yeah. And, like the Pantera shirt that's just a big old weed leaf. Yes. <laughs> if, if fucking only Fredo Disco was that cool. <laughs> so I guess some context to this, because I had to dig to find out, was there's a Heart Attack Man and Hot Mulligan tour that was supposed to be Fredo opening, and then Fredo was swapped out with couldn't possibly be anything better than Meet Me at the Altar. Um and I was like, oh, I, I wonder what happened there. And then I went to, like, find, like, okay, what happened to Fredo? And um, a month ago, he posted, like, he curb stomped Fredo Disco. And um, <laughs> he got out of his contract, which he was like, none of you should sign a contract when you're 18. And then he's 
he has an and all of his music is off of spotify and shit and he took down like a discord server that he was running but he is releasing music under i period am period orange so that's his new thing this is really mean and i don't actually mean it i don't think but when i first heard that fredo disco like was finished the first thing that popped into my head was that scene from the cabin in the woods with all the schoolgirls going like the evil is defeated <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh. by the way i can't uh emphasize enough my my frustration that hot mulligan and heart attack man are doing a tour together i know like from a purely sonic basis heart attack man is not actually very far from hot mulligan but yeah Heart Attack Man has good lyrics. Hot Mulligan has a song where, like, they compare breaking up to, like, the Holocaust, which is just <laughs> like, guys, you can't do that. You can't do that. Come on. Yeah, no, it's like, I'm sure they're nice, though. I mean, the only way that could be, like, acceptable is, like, if they named it something extremely over the top, like, show a time. Like, it's got to be, like, just lean into the offensiveness of the metaphor. I think it was because of the Pitchfork review, because I I posted that Hot Mulligan Pitchfork review that Ian Cohen wrote and started off with an E-word reference. And someone was like, this album isn't good, and I, and I need to know more about why Ellie hates this band so much. Wait, what was the E-word reference at the beginning of that review? Hot Mulligan are on some emo bullshit. I thought that was a Blink-182 reference. No. <laughs> Ian even tweeted, I can't believe the the editor let me keep my e-word reference in this review oh that's so sweet <laughs> so you were not on the top of the world like i was about that you just no. thought it was like a cute thing that i tweeted yeah oh no yeah. like it like ian ian said this is literally an e-word review i mean a uh, reference in this review I would be so sick if Pitchfork reviewed the E-word. Yeah. We'd get like a 1.9. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I, you know, all my criticisms of Condé Nast decide if I get some sort of reference to a meme I made in Pitchfork, I, you know, I'll probably just stop making music because, like, that's like the peak of any sort of dissemination I'll get into the, the media sphere. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're yeah, yeah. So it goes. Uh, Kyle, did you put this in specifically for me, this next topic? I mean, I knew that we'd get some uh, some miles out of this, but uh, Attack Attack are back. It seems like a lot of people are excited, and I and I think the the more interesting conversation here is how are these bands that are reuniting from like six years ago going to do? Um, because evidence last week we talked about Sea Haven and no one even was like listening to music when Sea Haven was around. <laughs> I think Attack Attack is different because a lot of people have, like a lot of the people in the scene now, when Sea Haven was around, they weren't listening to Tumblr shit. They were listening to like Warp to Glamour shit. Kills shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think Attack Attack is gonna is going to benefit like greatly from from that type of nostalgia. But one thing that I think is going to be interesting is everyone always talks about Someday Came Suddenly, which is a great album. But the later Attack Attack stuff, like the second album with like Last Breath on it and Smokehanus, yeah. like that's that's like some next level shit and it's been ripped off ad nauseum. 
So I really am just hoping that Attack Attack is going to come back and continue to like do extremely weird, innovative, like much more innovative shit than like they should be allowed to do as a scene core band. Well, um, also the 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 main screamer dude from someday came suddenly he like he's been like blacklisted for numerous oh shows. is is austin carlisle like a part of this reunion or is yeah. it some, is it different oh shit uh... oh no oh no caleb shoma what are you doing yeah because like because the carlisle dude like i am fuck this is like this is this is gossip from when i was like 15 or whatever like it's like he's like yeah he's, he's like, like a pedo right yeah, he's something like that. I don't. Yeah, because if he if he's a part of it, that's like really fucking weird. I thought he got kicked out slash left because he was a pedo. Like, yeah, that. And then he started like another band, and that band of my same. Oh, yeah, he's of my. Yeah, son. that 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 band had the same problem. And that it, band is like genuinely bad. But they're huge. Yeah, not as big as Beartooth though, right? Or is of mice and men bigger than Beartooth? I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah, I have no fun. <laughs> All I know I is mean, that I'm going to listen to Sexual Man Chocolate when this pod's over. Yes. <laughs> yes. There was this thing where, like, someone for Alternative Press wrote an investigative piece about the the sexual misconduct allegations with Austin, and then AP, just the editor-in-chief, just, like, cut it, and, like, they didn't publish it last minute. Oh, shit. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, it it apparently it's like done, it's written, and then that what's his fuck, uh, Mike Shea was like, no. That's crazy. We need That's more investigative no pieces about about seeing people being fucking predatory pieces of shit. Um, because like Davy Vanity from Blood on the Dance Floor is like finally getting his comeuppance, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, Chris Hansen is working with the FBI to yeah. take him down. Yeah, I think I think the David dude. I think he had I, like he even shaved his head. Like it's game over. Oh fucking fucking insane clown posse! Like posted a picture of him and was like, "This is Juggalo enemy number one." You <laughs> see him <laughs> down in the fucking street. Oh, that rocks. Yeah, hell yeah. That, that does rock. I'm so pro ICP. All right, fuck it. No, I'm gonna. I've, I've decided. I'm going to make a conscious decision to enjoy their music now. <laughs> this was like in call. I watched. There was like a, a mini documentary about the gathering of the Juggalos, and like this was like oh, American, American Juggalos. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, this is like. I mean, this is pretty wholesome. I, they're definitely they're high end whippets like a motherfucker, but <laughs> hey, they're family, bro. Here's the thing, because I remember when American Juggalo came out, and I remember all, like, the fucking, like, hipster publications, like, Vice and AV Club, like, posting about it and being like, ha-ha, look at these fucking Juggalos. And you can say, ha-ha, look at these Juggalos, but I know that what you're actually saying is, ha-ha, look at these white trash, isn't it funny how, like, poor they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right, that, that, that documentary is actually, like, super heartwarming. What's that one scene where, like, the guy is just, like, describing, like, how he, like, wants to, like date a girl and like feed her until she gets fat and then they can just wait <laughs> together and bond yeah. i think that's from that. <laughs> yeah I, I vague vaguely recall that yeah yeah no it's yeah. it's 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 good shit they're they're having a ball like i don't i i haven't had that much fun like ever so yeah i had i definitely had juggalo friends in high school um, oh yeah there was like a weird crossover between juggalo fans and like hollywood undead fans so unfortunately, I can like absolutely sing like everywhere I go by Hollywood Undead from memory. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Don't ask me to do it. 
more about attack attack though like we are like basically five years divorced from like this kind of music is it going to come back or i I was gonna say more maybe like yeah i mean probably seven or eight years from like the commercial peak yeah and like 10 to 12 years from like the artistic peak so do you like where is this stuff going to live within music like are they going to be like headliners again are they going to be like support for like i don't know fucking bring me the horizon or something like that like i i'm i'm well, just curious where where this will sit i mean scene core is coming back because fucking there's that like a little lotus who has yeah, like, yeah, yeah. first yeah there's like a lot of there's like a lot of like the emo trap guys who are like transitioning into making like out and out rock music that harkens back to this era and mm-hmm. i guess like the new machine gun kelly kind of ties into that as well uh i have no desire to talk about that um <laughs> i don't hate it but i'll say that i mean that's like the that's like the bare minimum of of how i feel about it is i don't hate it but it does feel very cynical to me but anyway yeah i think they're like the the that nostalgia wave is definitely going to like push them up like in popularity and the cosine from like the hip-hop world is what's really important because you know hip-hop is and has been the zeitgeist for years now and uh people really underestimate like how much like hip-hop culture has like an influence on what the kids decide to listen to like i think the the latest burst in popularity from hardcore that was happening like 2018 and 2019 had a lot to do with like the close association with like ghost main and stuff like that yeah i think i think uh, the attack attack reunion is going to go probably a little bit better than we expect and definitely much better than when broken side like tried to do a kickstarter to record a new album (laughs) (laughs) um people were i I remember that those dudes had like nicholas cage hairlines in the picture for that kickstarter it was rough (laughs) there was also a lot a lot a lot of excitement about the 10 year anniversary tour for um i set my friends on fire oh that's right that's and right it was that a lot was of fun. diy kids that were like this is going to be the best night ever yeah well, i'm not i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna lie i love i set my friends on fire like a lot when they they when they released like the original cut of uh the, the, their second Slaughter. album there yeah it was yeah. like i fucking i love like the 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 original shit that like epitaph like made them change like why did they do that it was i loved it i fucking loved it but yeah low-key they're like very varied in their influences and the way that they tie them together is genuinely sophisticated like Mm -hmm. especially considering how like young they were when they started off like i think it's like so unfair that so many people like remember them as the smosh band Mm -hmm. uh because like their cover of fucking crank that that. yeah yeah that's right that was that's genuinely like a genius postmodernist like joke (laughs) like they they made it like much smarter like than it deserved to be like it could have just been another one of those like cutesy semi-ironic punk ghost pop sorts sorts of things but they like put their heart and soul into that shit (laughs) um also like hardcore two-step that song is awesome Mm -hmm. How many people learned how to two-step from that song? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I big big fan of I Set My Friends on Fire. It's 
Yeah, honestly, I'm. You know what? Super pro, super pro. The electronic-y scene core shit. Let's bring it back. I don't. You know, I don't even care if it's the 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 emo rappers doing it. Let, let's hear it because I don't know the 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 emo discourse surrounding like I don't know bands. You know the 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 sock bands with socks in the title and that shit. Like that. It's kind of played. We we let's bring yeah. it back. You know what's super funny to me is like all the music journalists who fucking love The Shape of Punk to Come by Refused who are like, why isn't there like more post-hardcore bands that are combining like this complex songwriting with like trance and electronic elements and hints of jazz? They all fucking shat upon Attack Attack and (laughs) Set My Friends on Fire and Enter Shikari, even though those are absolutely the bands that were taking from the legacy of Refused, like directly or indirectly. I also think Attack Attack's aesthetic is going to be big time changed. I think they're going to look like kind of how like the Devil Wears Prada looks now. Like they're going to go full serious core. I can't talk Devil Wears Prada. I never really got into that, even though like they were like at their peak when I was listening to stuff kind of like that. HTML rules, dude. Dogs can grow beards all over. (laughs) All right. Should we talk about moon physics? You got. You guys have to explain it. Is this yeah. like the Tony Hawk Moon Physics? So or that's is what this... it's like. Okay. Inspired by. Okay. So Moon Physics was announced like about a month ago. Yes, it is a Tony Hawk reference. Um, but it is a zero-profit anti-capitalist record label and more. It's a newsletter. It's a Spotify playlist machine. I will just. I will start off by saying I think we need something like this to work because it's uh, on the surface, as far as I know, it is what a lot of people, they are they are basically doing what a lot of people want and what a lot of people have complaints about. And it would be nice to have an example of that working. And I think we can only wait to see if this is going to work because that we need it yeah, to work. I think, I think the idea behind it is super cool and... I, I agree that like if this can set like a strong example, then we're going to see a lot more like it, and it's going to lead to the DIY version of like what Kanye was talking about, where more of like the people who are actually creating the music have more control over the value that they get from their labor. And I believe Carly Cosgrove are going to be releasing like everything they've done on and like pressing it on vinyl. Um, so that's something that I'm absolutely going to go in on. Um, but yeah, and, and they're doing distro for a bunch of labels. Uh, Citrus City, who I know are pretty big in like the indie world. Um, Disposable America, Solidarity Club's on there too. Communally supporting and investing like into art, like super pro that. Uh, like obviously I think like, you know, crowdsourcing and like helping people like in the more more like more pressing financial stuff like that that obviously is like when people think about crowdsourcing that's like the first thing to come to but i i think as we like as we progress as like a society yeah we do need to be thinking about like why isn't like the music on art we enjoy like is it like locally like really supported and like both monetarily and and both from like people's labor too so yeah getting involved at a sort of like a personal level yeah hell yeah okay yeah. and i do think that like this is going depending on how successful move physics is like i think it is going to teach people a lot about how like an anti-capitalist mode of production like a small scale as it is would work and mm-hmm. maybe motivate people to to try and implement that at like larger and larger scales so 
the the like all I can hope for is like a, a big ripple effect, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea what we're talking about, moonphysics.com is the website. I've got it pulled up here, and everything that we're talking about is there. So just go there instead of listening to us talk about it. So one thing that I've wanted to talk about for a while now is newsletters. We haven't really talked about it besides that Ellie's doing one. Um, but I think this is kind of the new field for a lot of music journalism going on right now, and we haven't really talked about it yet. So I guess initial thoughts on the newsletter world from you two. I have been having a really great time, like just doing my newsletter because putting, I I have like a very like personal audience. And so they're like willing to forgive me if I need to take a week off, like for mental health and stuff. Um, But aside from that, I think just like forcing myself to write at least something like every week or so uh, has been like really fantastic for like just sharpening my skills at articulating things. You, I think you have like a note later about like uh, how there's not much of like a model for getting paid, but there are like a lot of newsletters on Substack that you can like subscribe and the, the person gets paid like directly from Substack and you get extra material or like the model that I do, which is like you can get an extra newsletter per month. Like if you subscribe to my Patreon and if you do a higher tier, uh, you get to like choose the topics of what mm-hmm. that newsletter is going to be about. Um, and I think that, you know, the the more the audience grows, the more I think that like the direct payment model is going to be the future. And I also think that it allows for like much more uh, passionate writing because you don't have to just write about whatever the publication you're working for is telling you to write about, which has always been one of my biggest stumbling blocks, like attempting to write for larger publications is I can't force myself to care about something that I, that, that has no like personal meaning to me. Mm -hmm. And then this way I can reach out directly to people who also care uh, to an absurd amount about this like weirdo bullshit that I care about. So with that thing that you mentioned about like Substack paying people, is that kind of like their version of like the Twitch affiliate? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's like that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I don't I I don't do that. I think like I started it that way for like a month when the podcast or sorry, when the Substack first started, but I quickly realized that I would much rather like have people uh, support me on Patreon just because mm-hmm. it, it it was easier to get people to like get on board with Patreon. Substack is a little bit weirder. Yeah, I, I, I personally, it's like super cool. Just like seeing like even just like friends of mine that just like want to write about like food or something. I, I definitely think like it is kind of like bloggy in that regard. But I don't know something about the, the, the getting an email to you, I think it's just like I don't know. It feel, I don't know. It feels kind of personal. Mm-hmm. I've definitely, it's like something that like I've wanted to like, and I, I did have like little mini reviews that I was doing for, but it's, you know, just for me where I am in my life now, like I just like totally fell off the fucking wagon, but like definitely with like the, the main page, it's like, I, especially like this, like last year plus it's like, you know, I don't want to just like solely be making stupid dopey internet content. Like I do writing, like <laughs> it's going to be a huge part of what I professionally want to do down the road. So like it's, it, it's there for me. And yeah, I, I think it's a, like a pretty solid platform and just like, I don't know, blog blogs have always been like, okay, but yeah, it's definitely when I, when I get to it, it's, I, 
I think it, I guess, democratizes like the sort of like joy of wanting to like write about something that you're really into. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been super significant for me, like, because so much of like, like music journalism as a career is about networking. And I have like a degree of networking, like being friends with people like David Anthony, whose newsletter is fucking phenomenal. And Ian Cohen, like, but I, 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 like I said, I'm like a college dropout. I have like not very many like traditional professional prospects. So this is like, this this is like kind of a game changer for me. And I'm really trying to lean into that. Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously like the internet is the future of income. Um, if you know, the world doesn't end like sometime in 2021. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really good for quote unquote unskilled laborers (laughs) in the music journalism field. It's also very like, inoffensive too like you you just type in your email and then you get it delivered to you like there's not yeah it's not intrusive you're not not getting promoted posts about a taylor swift album that you didn't care about yeah (laughs) and you and you guys can see that i just kind of wrote out my thoughts here because i was kind of like how do i organize this um and i think ellie and david anthony have proven that it's a medium for compelling music writing with no red tape you know like david anthony's latest piece about dillinger 4 was just like all about his his experience with it and like i like i I don't know if like like consequence of sound would run something that personal because it's like if you're on consequence touched my soul yeah there's no better home for stuff like that you know than a newsletter because you are subscribing to hear what ellie has to say what david anthony has to say about this thing yeah i had people i've had people tell me that like they like teared up reading like my wonder years essay. Yeah. Like, and like, exactly. and like before that people were like, I cried reading like your fallout boy and your, my chemical romance essay. I think, I think a lot of mainstream publications like don't understand the appeal of something that personal. But in fact, I think that's like what people are craving like mm-hmm. in this moment, like when everyone is so atomized and like all content creation seems like one size fits all. Like no matter how niche it is, there's al- there's always like this weird like I am creating a product vibe to it. Like even something like the punk rock NBA, which I really enjoy. Like it still has like a like this commercial veneer. And I think what Substacks those newsletters are like it reminds me of like Live Journal. Yeah, where you are following it because of the person, you know, mm-hmm. going on with that, like in the online publication worlds, like these are basically just columns, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like a column that you would write like in heart attack, yeah. like 1995 or for maximum rock and roll or razor cake or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I also think a really good example of like a music newsletter is this one by Adam white, who is like one of the, the longtime editors of punk news he has this newsletter that's been around for like maybe two years now called some party and like it's only about canadian weird punk leaning and unsigned bands and i think like like that perfectly exists as a newsletter because it's so laser focused and it's like yeah a blog is like i don't know if this is enough content for a blog but like a weekly newsletter about like a bunch of weird like synth punk bands only in canada like that's (laughs) ideal you know 
So I think like yeah, I I would like to see more kind of like extremely niche stuff like that for music. Dan, you wrote here Dan Ozzy's is almost too good. I agree. Dan Ozzy is like one of the best punk writers of the last yeah. twenty years, probably. Blink One Fifty Five brought up Jaded Punk Hulk, Hulk last week, and that's something that I completely forgot was a Dan Ozzy thing. Yeah, but it was genius. I know it was so good for like what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like Miranda's newsletter too. Uh, I think it's called either it's either something blue or something new. I'm subscribed to it, but I don't know the name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of has like uh, like a Luke O'Neill like influence style of prose, and it works really well when applied to her in depth explorations of fucking weird shit like she did one about like songs where the singer like says their full name and that was like so weirdly specific that it was super compelling (laughs) or another one that she did recently about like breaking down anthony fantano's like gender demographics and like what that says about like uh 4chan culture and the way that youtube markets things within the algorithm like i don't know i there's a there's a lot of cool people doing cool things with uh with the newsletter format yeah yeah, this conversation has uh, shit. I gotta fucking, I gotta follow some more fucking people, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. I guess the point that I was trying to make with like Dan Ozzy is like this stuff is perfectly warranted to like be on a big website, and now I feel like it's kind of easy to miss, and like because you know it's not tied to noisy, so they aren't making like eighteen posts about one article and stuff like that. And yeah. And, like, I didn't even know that you can do this until recently, but, like, you can do, like, a podcast embedded into Substack, and, like, he's doing that, too. Like, there's, like, a Laura Stevenson interview that I missed. There's, like, all these things that I've just missed. Like, I guess, like, how is Dan Ozzy putting so much effort into this and, like, maybe not even getting paid? I think he I think he has, like, a Substack subscription sort of thing. Okay. And he also recently, like, did a zine. Yeah, which, I saw uh, that. Miranda sold also out. does, like, physical zines. Yeah, it sold out fucking i think he like didn't understand how many people actually enjoy his work he's got like what 33k twitter followers and only printed like 300 come on dude (laughs) but i do think that there are a lot of bad newsletters because and this is where it makes me think we're just eventually going to move on to blogspot 2.0 because there's a lot of newsletters that i see that are just like does anyone remember this album from 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 2003 that everyone's written about and then there's a lot of those isn't this obviously good album still good <laughs> and it's i'm like, sorry kyle i i tell me how you really feel about my content i don't i'm not talking about you i'm talking about people that will make like i think i saw someone do something about like the albatross and i'm like dude we don't oh need God, any more no. foxing albatross content like the def- definitely that youtube is like the the the, the prime for people like yeah, this album is like the greatest thing since life spread. And whether it is or isn't, it's just like it happened like, you know, like six years ago or whatever. Like, come on, man. Like, just I, 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 I guess. Are you noticing the kind of blog spot 2.0? No, I don't think so, because I guess I just don't follow that. Like that sphere of, of Substack. Okay. Like I, I follow like people who I generally like. Um and and read their stuff um like what's what's zachary lipez's one called abundant living i follow that one and that's like very anti-blogspot but 
I I agree with what you're saying because blogs kind of started like with like this really cool personal focus, um, especially like in terms of music. Yeah. And then like you can literally see like how like Narai and Two Dope Boys kind of like descended into just, oh, we're just like a music news site Uh, or like, I mean, I think I think that around the time that like stuff you will hate showed up like the blogosphere was really changing and there just like wasn't that that same sort of like intimacy sorry for just continually referencing stuff you will hate it's like just like such a pivotal moment for my like like delving into underground culture (laughs) do people still like i don't know because i think like finn mckinty now has like his own fucking personal channel and i think that's kind of cringy uh, I mean, he mostly just uses it to talk about like business and fi- like personal finance. Like, really, all he does is like try and give like people like me who like were fuck ups growing up and like didn't listen to the authority figures, just trying to like help us get our shit together. And I think that's cool. But I can definitely see why someone would be put off by the fact that like he definitely has an eye towards how many views can I get like with this yeah. topic. Which I, I mean, know, his, like, it's fucking al- survival, analysis. you know. He's yeah. doing this shit for for his living. No, he like has like a full time job. This is just like something that he does for fun. He's just like very uh, structured with it. Oh, um, wow. I don't, I don't know how the fuck he's <laughs> a full time shit. I need to get my shit together, man. The, the idea oh, of doing all those videos a, with a full time job, holy he's shit! He's a psychotic workaholic, like to an insane degree. Um, but yeah, and like I found like a, a ton of people actually like don't even know that he used to do stuff you will hate. Like that was like the thing that drew me to punk rock NBA in the first place was, oh, stuff you will hate is gone. This is like the next best thing. But then there are so many people who are like, I can't believe this dude used to be Sergeant D. And it's because he's like not talking as much shit. Yeah. Did you know that there is a whole spaz split about him? Yeah, I actually like messaged him about it on tumblr like oh, back real? in 2013 yeah <laughs> and he did like a whole like post about it but yeah um and all the all the song titles are about like him and his mom um, but yeah no he like he has like a whole video about spaz and power violence that's really really good when he decides to do stuff about underground music his analysis and insight is really spot on because contrary to what people think he was like there and has cred um but you know, metalheads like really don't like him because he isn't afraid to say like black metal sucks. Mm-hmm. Like Finn's mom yodeling in the bathtub, dorsal Finn, yeah. Huckleberry Finn, Finn Pickens, Renton Finn. Yeah, I think he was like 13 or 14 when they did that record. <laughs> <laughs> that rocks. He started going to power violence shows when he was 11. I can only dream. <laughs> Probably hooked on meth by the time you're 12. Ah, no, no. He was straight edge until, like, 2008 or something. I do think YouTube is medium to talk about stuff, but I feel like everyone that kind of gives it a go kind of... They they succumb to the the siren song of the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah, people are always asking, like, me. It's like, like, you should do YouTube stuff. And it's just like, I mean, shit, I don't like... I don't even know where the fuck to begin with that. Um, 
I'll probably I, I've done like mixtape little things like as sort of like to combat the the I don't know the YouTube trend of like sad about your girlfriend um, shit. But yeah, doing like an actual content like fuck I don't know I don't know how cameras work I don't know what they are. Yeah, people have been like wanting me to do video essays for a really long time, and I've toyed with the idea, but I and I know for a fact that I would probably get a lot more attention like on YouTube just because like it's easier to watch something than to read it. But I don't know. I I I feel like I might like not be not be able to make myself extra enough to like be entertaining on camera. Yeah, it's a huge showmanship. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think think we soared through some some engaging topics. Somebody is gonna like latch on to like everything I said as a reason to like despise me further. So I'm really counting on y'all to make me sound funnier than I am. <laughs> that's uh, that's the goal of this whole podcast is to make us all sound actually charismatic and compelling. Yeah. All right. Well, Jenk, thank you so much for coming on the pod. This was a really fun episode. Yeah, it was super, super fun. I've been like.